Welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Travel Alert. I'm Steve Glenn. And I'm Paul Glenn. This week, we have some exciting information about the hotel industry, Paul. Let's go. The first headline in this week's Weekly Travel Alert reads, Hotel room rates continue to creep up, but more rooms are empty. Paul, for the last two years, post-COVID, we've seen this tsunami of travel in domestic U.S. travel, international travel, and along with it, hotel rates have gone up dramatically. We just got the information for the month of October, and we found that the average hotel rate in the United States is $161 a night, which is actually a moderating increase of only 3% from a year ago, uh, which is good news that things are starting to moderate on price. Now, the even better thing is that the number of rooms filled actually declined by 2% in October, and that's usually good news for a consumer. Yeah, I think that's what we're seeing is as we look year over year, we're still seeing some increases over 2022. Corporate travel is coming back and it's having a significant impact. But as we look month over month, it's actually going the other direction here, both with hotels and airlines the last couple months. Is the occupancy and capacity has been down from what it was uh, in October versus what it was in September. So, and going into the holiday season this year, I only expect that trend to continue because we've seen a significant softening. Then obviously the war has had an impact on travel yeah. as well. So that's that's significant. So uh, hopefully that brings about something so that we can can get a good foundation, hopefully get some of these prices down and, and be able to, to be a little more fair fair playing field as we go into a new year. So it should be good news for consumers for be, 2024. Yes. Now, that being said, um, it was two or three months ago, Marriott came out and made a stance that they were not going to be doing any decreases in rates. So that was at the corporate level. And not everybody understands, you know, Marriott has a big brand and it flies on many different brands all over the world, but they really only own a handful of properties. So, you know, each property is still owned individually. And, you know, if I'm a property owner and somebody's saying they're going to bring a room my direction versus going across the street, I want to make sure I've got a, a rate that's going to attract them. I'll, I'll take that $100 and put it in my pocket. That's right. Reminds me that uh, Executive Travel, who hosts this program, does a lot, a lot of hotel negotiations for I, corporations. Yeah, we uh, we have a team that negotiates over 1,500 different properties every year. So it's pretty amazing, and it's pretty amazing to see what the results are. And, and that's one of the benefits of, of partnering with, with us for your travel is the savings that we can bring even compared to uh, the, the general online booking options for hotels. You know, I was amazed when I looked at it and found out that the negotiated rate by the executive travel hotel team is over $30 less than the average Expedia rate at the same hotel on the same dates of stay. That's that's pretty magical. That's powerful. Our <laughs> team does amazing things. That's great. The next item on this week's Weekly Traveler reads, 34% of all hotel rooms sit empty every night. Paul, it's hard to believe, but one out of every three hotel rooms sits empty on average every night, which means for the average person, if you have a hotel that fills up on a Friday and a Saturday night, you probably got a couple, two or three nights that it's less than 50% full. So there's a lot of room 
rooms that sit empty every night in hotels, even when they're having their record-setting year. Yeah, well, I think some of this is going to obviously tie to whether it's a, a corporate destination or a vacation destination, because obviously your vacation destinations are going to be booked over the weekends, right? and your corporate destinations are going to be booked during the week. So it just kind of makes sense that uh, dependent upon the destination. Now, where the opportunity comes then from that is, you know, if you're looking at doing something uh, corporate-wise, Go find that vacation destination, and you might have some more negotiation power to do something during the week when they're going to have more availability. You know, it reminded me of those convention hotels, those big hotels in big cities that do conventions during Monday through Friday, right? Uh, and they might be empty on the weekend, so a vacation traveler could get a probably a steal of a yeah, deal. Great opportunity. Yeah, so it just depends on the, the day of the week of your travel. The next headline in this week's weekly travel alert reads, American Airlines is trying to make travelers pay higher airfares by hiding certain fares. Paul, the American Society of Travel Advisors just filed a brief. A, a suit with the DOT. Uh, yeah, with the DOT, and they basically said... Hey, these guys aren't playing fair. You know, they're they're playing with customers and they're taking 40% of their their airfares or the pricing inventory and, and they're not making it available or visible to the public in many different channels. And so they're basically trying to figure out ways to make the consumer pay more. Yeah for that airfare, and they're doing it by not being transparent with those airfares. You and I have been very frustrated with American Airlines, as has our customer and many corporations, and says, hey, you guys can be the biggest uh, grill on the block, but uh, you got to play fair. Three cheers for Asta to stand up to these guys and say, hey, you got to play fair in this world. Yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the traveler. And the traveler has to say, enough of this, I'm going to go spend my money somewhere else. And that's that's really where the, we can all have an Im- impact on this. And that's what I think we need to do. But, you know, the, the article here, I also saw this morning where American has already asked that that whole uh, brief be dropped. So sure. they're saying, you know, we don't want to play this game or they're, they're recognizing that they're getting put on the podium for what they're doing and they're trying to get out from under it as quickly as possible. Yeah, the American probably has a pretty good legal team. <laughs> the, the other thing that I thought was you said that the consumers got to, to address this. It appears they're already starting that. American lost $500 million in the third quarter. So is the consumer saying, hey, you can play these games but we're going to go somewhere else. I think it's the traveler. It's the corporate travel programs. It's the travel management companies. It's the frustrations of you know the, the lack of transparency. Everybody's saying, you know, why are we having to to deal with this? We shouldn't have to deal with this. So, so I think uh, yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's where you're spending your money, and if you want to get a point across, you're not going to be spending it with American Airlines. The next headline in this week's weekly traveler reads: Airlines have hundreds of new airplanes coming online in the next two years. Paul, you and I did a presentation at our Simplifying Travel 2023. And it showed, our slide showed, that there are hundreds upon hundreds of new airlines, Boeing and Airbus, and and coming into play in 2024 and 2025. And uh, in this week's Weekly Traveler, uh, point out that the three areas that we see are the reasons for that are, number one, 
fuel efficiency. These new planes are 20%, 25% more fuel efficient. So if you can carry the same number of people in an airplane and spend less on fuel, which is usually your second highest expense for an airline, that's probably a good reason to upgrade your airplanes. Well, that ties into a lot of the airlines over the last five years. That's been one of the initiatives that they've laid out is to get to equal on their carbon emissions. And so that fuel efficiency is a big part of that. So I know, uh, I believe it's United Airlines that laid out that they would be carbon neutral by 2050, 2050 yeah. I believe. So so I think this is all part of the, uh, the initial steps to move towards those initiatives. The second reason I put down here is, is uh, one that makes a lot of sense. They're moving from smaller regional jets with 70 people to larger jets that hold 180, 200 people or more, and think about that when you have a, when you have two pilots on a on a plane, and pilots just got a 40% raise, yep. and you can put two pilots in a 70 seater or two pilots in a 200 seater, you can get 3x number of people in a plane with the same costs for your pilots, flight attendants, and other things. So it makes sense to go with bigger planes. It does. I think uh, what the consumer needs to then recognize is the adjustment that it's going to have because they're able to carry 2 to 3x, which means they're going to cut down on some of their flights. So right. you're going to have some longer layovers. You're going to have some other things that are going to be impacted by this that, uh, that we're already starting to see. Um, it's not uncommon now to uh, you're, you've either got a 30-minute layover or you've got a four-hour layover. So I think that's, that's where the impact is on the traveler. It's interesting you say that because it also plays into the fact that there's this – uh, on these major airports, they're seeing shortages of the uh, tower personnel mm -hmm. to guide these planes and to control the air traffic controllers. So they're trying to have fewer flights yeah. so it's easier on the air traffic control system. And so that kind of fits into right what you were saying. Yeah. The, the third item that I had written down is these new airplanes are continuing a trend of replacing regional jets. They have more headroom. They have more carry-on storage space. Uh, they have first-class seats, which is can I, can I say amen? Amen and to that. It's, uh, for those of us that are over six foot tall, getting on these 50 passengers, I'll be on one actually tomorrow, I can't stand upright. So, you know, it's, it's just so uncomfortable and it's so tight. You know, even when you're sitting, if you're on the, uh, the exterior on a window seat, you're kind of getting pushed out into the aisle if you've got broad shoulders like we do. So I, uh, I, I can say nothing but praise for this transition. Well, actually, yeah, it's really good news. You know, sometimes we bring the bad news, but here's good news for the customer in that headline. Our, our next headline in this week's Weekly Traveler, brought to you by Executive Travel. Paul, you've been at this for how many years now? Almost 30. And I'm 38, I believe, at it. So we started this company many moons ago. It's exciting to see our, our progress. This year is our best year ever, isn't it's, it? It's fun. It's fun. It's an industry full of ups and downs. We're impacted by everything that happens anywhere in the world. And so, you know, it's great because that actually brings our opportunity to shine. I mean, uh, yeah. I think what people don't recognize is we're a service company. We are not a transaction company. Right. And that's a differentiator between us and some of our competition. So right. I always tell people, I've got somebody coming in for an interview this afternoon. It's, you know, you 
have to have a, a heart for service to be part of executive travel. This isn't about the shareholder or the something something that is less purposeful. We're about being here to, to be partners. Absolutely. I should say amen to that. <laughs> so the headline reads, American, Delta, and United are rapidly losing market share to low-cost carriers. Paul, this is an amazing thing. I started off looking in the year 2000 and said, where are we at in 2023? And American, Delta, and United started this century with 73% of all the domestic flights and care and carrying passengers in this country. And today, they're down to 52%. They still have a majority, but they've lost 21% market share in the last 23 years. And as you can imagine, that's taken up by Southwest, Alaska, and Hawaiian Air, uh, JetBlue, Allegiance, Spirit, and all those others. So basically, the the big three are facing really a tough sledding because they can't make a profit in many domestic markets. And that's why they're expanding so massively internationally. So we've seen that across the board. Yep, yep. I think that's that also goes to you know type of travel as well. Again, going back to corporate versus vacation, where if I'm paying for it out of my own back pocket, then I want the best value. So, and I think that the thing that they do have playing for them, and where the the low cost carriers need to, to step it up potentially a bit. Southwest has got some programs, but it's once they once the, the big guys get you in their frequent flyer programs, if you're traveling enough, there's a value there. We've talked about, you know, has that value decreased? And yes, it has. The airlines continue to push that value down. But, you know, there is something to knowing um, that you're going to get some benefits uh, when you travel, that when you're going low-cost carrier to low-cost carrier and their programs don't have uh, the benefits of upgrades and things like that, then, then I think that's, that's really what the, in addition to international travel, that's what the, the big three have to, to focus on, is how do, they, how do they make it so those programs are of value? And I think they've had it easy for a while, but if there would be an economic impact to where corporations cut travel, then all of a sudden they're going to have to really step it up. And we've talked about, you know, service and first class of the, the big three domestically and how it's dropped. Or lack but thereof. Lack thereof. So, and that's yeah. the, the challenge is they're really going to have to figure out how do they make it so that that traveler that's still traveling for business sees that value and feels special. I mean, Amen. ultimately that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Paul, the last uh, headline in this week's Weekly Traveler actually deals with a subject that is a small piece of our business. We do about 95%, Executive Travel does 95% of our business with corporate travel management. We help large corporations that have hundreds if not thousands of travelers manage that by negotiating airfares, hotel deals, car rental deals, and managing that process, building online reservation systems for their employees but a small part of our business is now in the vacation area dealing with women of the Midwest. And one of the tours coming up for this division of women-only travel, women traveling solo, is a tour to the, the Tulip Festival next spring. And so it's a Tulip Festival tour and to Belgium and the Netherlands and... and uh, just a, a lot of exciting stuff that's going to be taking place. And, of course, that takes place in the spring when the tulips are yeah. in bloom. Pretty amazing. And uh, 
that tour was just launched a week and a half ago and is already almost full. So it's really exciting to see what's going on there. Well, and I think one of the things that, that kind of differentiates not, not only women-only travel, um, but it's also their small groups. So I think that the max on this is like 20, 20, 20 people. So, 20 you know, you've got space on the motor coaches. You're able to, to get to know everybody. Yeah. So I know that's what, as we've been doing that department now for, for many, many years, people come back and they've made friends for life yeah. and then they book the next one. That's the, the thing is they, they come back and they say, that was great. I want to do it again. And I think it's very consistent with us as a company as we try to do things that are different than other companies. And this is a perfect example where we see that there's a need in the market to support women that want to travel by with other women. There's a there's a safety and security factor I think that's kind of built into this and why people uh, resonate with it is, you know, if they're traveling whether they're widows or whether they're just single, you know, they don't have any intimidation of other couples being there, and it's also one of those things. A lot of these tours are built around things. I, I personally wouldn't go on a trip just to go see the tulips in the Netherlands. My wife might want to, sure, and maybe I'd, she'd rather go do it with somebody else that's going to appreciate it. And I'd rather go uh, fishing up in Canada. So, <laughs> you know, I think there are times in life where you've got different things that you want to experience, and uh, and this brings about a great opportunity to do it in a manner that uh, you're with similar people with similar interests. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching this week's edition of the Weekly Traveler uh, with Executive Travel. This is our 38th year. We're thankful that you can join us this week. I'm Steve Glenn. I'm Paul Glenn. Please like, subscribe, and share, and also add any comments below on future topics that you would like us to cover. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.